It's not just talking cards. It's a collection conversation with the pros. This is Off Center with Tony Reed. Hey, welcome back. Episode 52 of Off Center with Tony Reed. This week, uh, we are featuring nearly two decade long Major League Baseball catcher, memorable Yankee Rick Cerrone. My interview with him appeared on Sports Collectors Daily a few weeks back. Uh, Cerrone was a Newark, New Jersey native, a multi-sport star at Essex Catholic High School. Went on to Seton Hall University where he started on the diamond for the Pirates. In 1975, Cleveland nabbed Cerrone with the 7th overall pick in the amateur draft. Cerrone appeared in only 14 games over two seasons before he and John Lowenstein were traded to the expansion Blue Jays for Rico Cardi prior to the Jays' inaugural 1977 season. Eventually, the Jersey boy made his way home and became a member of the New York Yankees in 1980 after the tragic death of Thurman Munson, literally replacing the Yankee great with a standout first season in New York where he hit 277, 14 bombs, and over 80 RBI. He finished 7th in AL MVP voting that year. Cerrone had his five most productive seasons in the Big Apple, becoming the toughest glue, the grit, the mid-80s Yankees, Bronx, Bombers, bashing roster. He was kind of the rough-and-tumble man that kind of set the tone for the team back in the day behind the plate. Um, They included uh, two postseason runs in that time and a World Series appearance in 81. His final seven seasons saw stops in Atlanta, Milwaukee, Boston, New York, Montreal, and two more trips to Yankee Stadium. After nearly two decades in the game, he retired after the 1992 season. He served as a color analyst on the Yankees broadcast on WPIX during the 96 and 97 seasons. He also spent time as a baseball analyst for CBS Radio. In 1998, he founded the New York Bears, a minor league baseball team in his hometown. In our recent interview, uh, the longtime backstop speaks to uh, seeing his early baseball cards, collecting every Mickey Mantle card as a kid, his unique relationship with Joe DiMaggio, and so much more here on Off Center with Tony Reed. Rick Cerrone, longtime Major League veteran of the Yankees. Um, that's where I remember you, sir. I, I grew up watching Channel 11. I'm, I'm 40, I'll be 45 later this month. And I know you were a part of those big Yankees teams. I, I tried to watch every single night. So uh, it's great talking to you today. Nice to talk to you, too. Well, <laughs> uh, I got ties older than you, I think. <laughs> I'm getting pretty old, so that's saying something. <laughs> uh, you know, it's amazing you look back. Say where did the time go? Yeah, uh, but but um, you know the, the the best thing is the memories that you have, the friends that you made along the way, uh, the teammates that you know, Hall of Fame teammates mm. to, to the guy that just came up for a cup of coffee in September, and I got an opportunity to play for eight different teams. Yeah, seven years with the Yankees, and then fortunate to to own a couple of minor league baseball teams and. You know, I built one in Newark, in where I grew up, my hometown, uh, the Newark Bears, and uh, had some some players that came there: Ricky Henderson, Jim Laritz, and Snake awesome. Brothers. Uh, you know, we we had a lot of fun, and I look back on it with great memories. Heck yeah! So, as far as your cards, 
you've had 394 cards produced. That counts all kinds of parallels and inserts and stuff well after your career. Your first card was 1976. It was the SSP company. Obviously, you were with the Indians at the time in the minors. There was that, and your rookie card was 1977 tops with the classic you know, Dale Murphy rookie card. Do you remember seeing yourself on a card for the first time? And if so, what were your emotions and what were your thoughts at the time? Well, I remember... I remember you could either take it, I think it was $250 or a set of golf clubs. <laughs> I've heard that, yep. <laughs> for, for, for tops. And uh, I took the golf clubs, uh, <laughs> and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I remember the, the S, SPC, I think you said. Yeah. Yeah, it had, I, I actually was in the big leagues. Uh, I signed in 75. My, my biggest claim to fame, I guess, would be, from the draft of 1975, I was the first player to make it to the big leagues and the last player to stay. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's my claim to fame, uh, 18 years. Uh, I got called up in August of 75. That picture was taking, taken, I believe, at Cleveland Stadium. And, I, and believe it or not, I even had like a little, I think like a little chewing tobacco, which I never <laughs> did before. I had it in my... My cheek, and um, I remember seeing. I said, "Boy, I've, I've actually made a, a, a baseball card." That's and, awesome. You mentioned. You mentioned. Was, I'm was sorry. Three hundred and ninety-five cards. Yeah, 394. That's counting, like I said, there's been a bunch of stuff after your career, and that's all the little oddball issues from, you know, bread companies and tasty cakes and, you know, all the, that's yeah. every single card, 394. That's a pretty wow. pretty crazy number. <laughs> and the funny thing, Tony, you know, the funny thing is that I don't have all of them. Yeah. And, and you know, people send you autograph requests every day. Yeah. They find your home location. They sell, send you a... You know, sometimes they'll put five cards in there. They want you to sign. They put a self-addressed envelope in. They find your home residence. Mm. When I bought my place in Florida, I think it took them two weeks to find that I, I had a new location for the winter. Wow. And it, you know, it, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's a, I guess it's a business. And you know what? What I do, and I've been very consistent, uh, all the requests I get, I maybe average about eight to ten a day. Wow! Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. That that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, about eight to ten a day, and I always take the time to open. I don't read the letters anymore because they're pretty standard. Yeah, and and I don't keep the letters like Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Arnold Palmer kept every single letter ever written to him, and he he hand wrote a letter back to them. I mean that's wow. That's, I give him credit. He had to build a separate house just for the the uh, envelopes. <laughs> I mean, believe no, this is a true story. That's crazy. Arnold I never Palmer heard was, that before. <laughs> yeah, Arnold, Arnold Palmer was tremendous, and he always said, and I listened to him. He says, you know, if you take the time to give an autograph, make sure that they can read it. Yeah, and it's legible. And I never forgot that. And I make sure I take my time. But if somebody puts like ten cards in, I, I what I do. I always sign one. Mm -hmm. I put the other nine back in there unsigned. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, one one for each person, I think, is pretty good. That's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing it for a long time. But it's amazing. And, and sometimes, what I'll, and i got to be honest with you, I'll get a card that I was I don't have. Yeah. And what I'll do is I, I replace it with a little note saying, I don't have this one for my own collection. 
I said, I hope you don't mind, but I'm, I'm keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a nice journey. And what, what baseball cards and memorabilia does for you, it brings back all those memories. Yeah. The day that picture was taken, mm-hmm. your teammate you had. I used to tell one time in Boston, I got a, it was me and Ellis Burks on the same card. And, and because he was in the background. Yeah. And said, Ellis, you know, you ruined my picture here. I went from a 10 to like a 2. <laughs> he started laughing. But, uh, you, you mentioned memorabilia. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I did. I collected, um, I was in Big Leagues 18 years, 1975 to 1992. And my collection, I have a bat from a team bat signed. For every year. Wow, that's awesome. That's my collection of that, and I used to, and I did collect one dozen team baseballs for every year. So I had eighteen boxes. But over the years, I used to bring them home and give them to my football coach, give them to a charity for an auction. I had my own auction, so I started auction. I had my own charity for for almost twenty years called Teach Our Children here in uh, Newark, New Jersey. And uh, raised a lot of money, but also donated a lot of the stuff that I had collected. I was never a big, I didn't want to bother guys. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot, yeah. I never really liked to bother them, but I wish I did. Yep, I hear that too. <laughs> you know what I did do? I was fortunate to play the Hall of Fame baseball game, uh, I think two or three times. You know, they always had a, an exhibition game after the induction ceremony yep. on the Monday. And I believe I played in it two or three years. And what I did is I, I wound up buying like three, four, five dozen baseballs. And there you have an opportunity to get all the Hall of Famers. Yeah. So I've got, and I went online, I bought a beautiful cedar home plate with a glass insert. And it held 45 baseballs. So I have two of those. That's 90 balls for my own collection of all Hall of Famers. Mm. And That's I tell you, incredible. What, pretty special. Um, I've downgraded over the years. I used to have this big mansion in Bergen County, New Jersey, and now I have a condo in Florida and a, a beautiful townhouse on the ocean in Long Branch, New Jersey. Yeah. And those days of looking back at all the memorabilia, I don't have any rooms like that anymore. Mm. I, I basically have moved on. Uh, I got more joy. I get more joy now with my grandkids. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you, being a Yankee for so long, there's nothing like playing for the Yankees, wearing the pinstripes. There's nothing like that in sports. Has there been a, a most memorable fan that you've kind of come across over the years, good or bad, as far as interactions with you? Is there a fan or two that kind of are top of mind, good or bad? Yeah, you got to remember one thing. I got to play home for seven years. Yeah. You know, home, you know, I know it's New York. When I got to the Yankees after Thurman Munson died in the plane crash, yeah. the Yankees traded for me that winter. And my first year with them was 1980. And to be honest with you, I had already played four and a half years in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Three years in Toronto, a year and a half with, you know, the Cleveland Indians. But when I was driving over that first game, because uh, I lived in Fort Lee, which is on the other, just on the other side of the George Washington Bridge, 
I drove across and I said, can you believe that you're going to be the starting catcher, <laughs> the team you grew up idolizing? Wow. And back then, it was special. Yeah. We looked forward to, we didn't draw 45,000 people a game. The biggest day of the year was Old Timers Day. Mm. And back then, not now, unfortunately, the old timers dressed in their lockers with you. Wow. My locker had to be my, had to happen to be Joe DiMaggio's locker. <laughs> and that was my father's idol wow my idol of course was mickey mantle my hero and and joe d and i he didn't say a whole lot to a lot of his teammates but me being italian from newark he had relationship with a lot of people in newark new mm. jersey a lot of italians there uh we had like a special relationship and he would actually talk to me wow that's <laughs> awesome and that was the highlight of the season to be able to share the locker room with Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra, who became one of my dearest friends. We were golf members at Montclair Golf Club for years. But I'm going to tell you a quick little story. Yeah. That will run it full circle. In 1964, I'm 10 years old. It's the only baseball game I ever went to. And... My father brought me there. He worked hard, so we went to a Saturday day game. The Yankees were playing the Kansas City Athletics back then, and there was a Mel Stoudemire was on the mound, mm. and I was sat right behind the old press box. So uh, there's foul balls going behind us all day long. Norm Seaburn, the first baseman, must have hit five foul balls straight back. <laughs> oh, I had my glove, of course. I was ten years old. And it missed us. It missed us. And it went over our head. I said, ninth inning comes. We stayed, of course, the whole game. Uh, Norm Seaburn comes up, and I said, Dad, I think this is going to be a big one. He hits it. It's coming right at us. But unfortunately, it landed right into the first, uh, the level right before us, which was the press box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a guy named Phil Rizzuto broadcasting the game who got it, turned around, and handed it to this 10-year-old kid who was me. Wow. And fast forward years later, the Scooter and I worked together as broadcasters in the WPIX broadcast booth. <laughs> and I always told that story on the air. And he, he said, you're making me feel old, Rick. I said, Scooter, I didn't say that you came to my Little League dinner and spoke, but you did <laughs> in Newark. But that was the, the story. And to make it full circle... You talk about collecting autographs? Yeah. One of the old-timers games, I don't know if it was 80 or 81 or 82 when I'm playing there, they, they brought back Norm Seaburn. And I first thing I did, I mean, I saw his name on the list. He was the guy I, saw, I sought out to get another ball signed. Oh, and wow. I told him the story. He loved it. He says, oh, I made a, a kid smile. And, I, and to be honest with you, it was really the only game I ever went to as a kid. Wow. And I'm lucky enough that Bill Rizzuto gave me a baseball. Like the stars aligned. You know, you talk about destiny and things working out. That's 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 amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice story. Uh, you can't make that stuff up, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, of growing up a Yankees fan and – did, did you manage, did you collect baseball cards as a kid? Did you, you know, like, who? what, what athletes inspired you most as a kid? Did you have? Uh, 
Mickey Mantle cards. Yeah. I mean, I oh, had man. every. And you know what? In the day, you used to put them in your bicycle spokes. Yep. Yep. And nice little clicking sounds. All the kids did it. Used to trade. I'd give you one Mickey Mantle. Give me two Roger Maris's. You know, Joe Pepitone was uh, uh, another Italian that I pulled for. And um, he hit a wicked line drive when I was in Little League. And a buddy of mine was sitting in by first base and got hit in the eye. Wow. And he was in the hospital for like almost nine days. They didn't know if he was going to lose the eye. Wow. But I would day. We were on teammates in the Little League. And Joe Pepitone showed up three times to the kid's hospital to visit him. Wow. And I had to be there twice. So I said, wow, he took the time. He's a Yankee player who took the time to, to show up at the hospital. And that he became one of my idols. And you know what? Years later, Joe Pep was a batting instructor for me with the Yankees and a good friend. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got a lot of things that turn around and people that were instrumental to me, uh, most of my teammates, all of them. You learn something from everybody. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So a couple quick things before I let you go. I also like to do a little piece called Card Back Q&A. So I actually went, flipped over some of your old cards. As we all know, there were always little facts and tidbits and pieces of information. So I have a few to run by you. Just give me your you know, your first thought or whatever, and we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> all right. I like it. <laughs> So uh, your 1981 Topps card had two fun facts. One stated that you held every offensive record at Seton Hall University. So what was your lasting memories of just being a stud at Seton Hall? <laughs> well, actually, out of high school, I was a football fencer and a baseball player. Yeah. And really, I had 60 football scholarships and none for baseball. Wow. And what happened was right at the last minute, they, they said you can't. The only school I signed with, they were going to let me play football and baseball, but then they pulled the baseball side away from it. They said, you're going to be our starting quarterback. You can't play baseball. So I said, well, I, you, I, you gave me my word that you, I could play both sports. And basically at the last minute, August 1st, I had no scholarships. Hmm. And I wound up going to Seton Hall. Mike Shepard was going to be the first-year coach. And he said, I'll find a scholarship for you if you want to stay home and play baseball. Hmm. And, I, it, and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened. The memories I have um, getting to the College World Series, two out of my three years there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really um, great memories of, of Seton Hall. And, and uh, you know, now that they have a little stadium there, my, my jersey's retired along with Craig Biggio's and Mike Shepard. Mm. It's just, uh, it, it's come a long way, but great memories there. Changed my life, really. Yeah. The second fact on that same back of the 81 Tops card mentioned you threw 13 touchdown passes as a high school senior. So what was Rick Cerrone like as, as a quarterback on the gridiron? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Everybody asked me, you know, that was my favorite sport because, first of all, you had a lot of people watching the, the high school football games. I went to a, a Essex Catholic High School in Newark. Our teams now that you would heard of are Don Bosco, St. Joe's, Bergen Catholic, that was our Sunday game of the week. We, that was our conference. Seton Hall Prep, Paramus Catholic, Hudson Catholic, all great teams. And we went undefeated my senior year. I think I threw 25 touchdowns in my two years that I was there. <laughs> awesome. I, was, I could throw. 
But I always tell people what was the best team I ever played on? My my Pop Warner North Bears football team. We had twelve or thirteen Division One football players from that, <laughs> and two guys make it to the pros. Pete Shaw, who played for Barringer High School, played a long time for the Giants in San Diego, and my teammate at Essex Catholic, Stan Waldemore, had about a ten-year career as an offensive lineman with the Jets. Mm. So. That was the best team I ever played on, and uh, Al Wojak became captain of Notre Dame's football. We, uh, I loved football; it was fun. But the little-known fact on back on the back of the cards, one of them said that I was an All-State fencer, and I did. I won this. I won the state title for Epe in 1972 <laughs> by senior Essex Catholic. So I was a state fencing champion. That's awesome. <laughs> You know what? You talk about little tidbits. Yeah. Oh, man. One year. On the back of my card. Now, remember, I had been playing for a while. I might have had seven, eight years. And in the back of the Yankee card said, lay down a key bunt for a Yankee win in August. <laughs> I went up to Side Burger, the owner of, of Top. Yeah. I said, Side, who the hell wrote? I laid down a bunt, a sacrifice bunt. And that's the highlight of my whole career. And, oh, he got—he was embarrassed. But I'm, you know, we look forward to seeing what little tidbits they had on the back of the cards. That's great. Well, here's another one for you. Your 1982 Dunrist card mentioned the $440,000 salary arbitration over the winter of '8081, and it said on the card. You never heard the end of it from Yankee owner George Steinbrenner. So I have to ask, what was what do you remember from that arbitration, and what was your relationship like with the boss? Well, you know that's an interesting story. When I when I went over to the Yankees, I had a great year. I finished seventh in the MVP voting, yeah, nineteen eighty, and and everything turned around. I was making one hundred and ten thousand in nineteen eighty, and I didn't sign my contract. Gene Michael, the general manager, renewed me. So now after the big year. Going into the negotiations, Cedric Tallis was the general manager now. Sick was no longer. I think he was going to be our, our manager. And uh, he offered me a three-year contract. And I said, no, no, I just want to go one year at a time like I've been doing. One year at a time, I believe I'm going to have another great year. We're going to blah, 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 blah. Cedric, I went to go talk to him, and he says, Rick, do you hear those lawnmowers going off in the background? I hear them all day long. I said, Cedric, there's snow on the ground. There's no lawnmowers. So he was kind of a little bit out of it. <laughs> and that forced me to go to arbitration. And George got mad as hell. But, um, you know, the difference back then, it was I asked for 440 They offered me 350 And the arbitrator has to rule one way or the other. Mm. And, I mean, you finished seventh in the MVP. You could write your own check. <laughs> they, were, they were very supportive. I got that. George didn't like me. He said I was a greedy ball player, especially a local kid. But you know what? We we had a good relationship. Yeah. That's... Even though I had some trouble with them in the playoffs <laughs> in eighty one. Uh, but those those are uh, you know what? It grows a relationship. I look at it. Yeah. And 
the last one I have for you, this is way after the career. In 2004, Upper Deck produced a Yankees classic set. The back of your card said, Cerrone was the true grit of the Yankees teams of the early 80s. He not only brought punch to the lineup, but he blocked the plate exceptionally well. In 1980, he led the team to the playoffs and finished, like you mentioned, seventh in the AL MVP voting. Um, just in general, what is like your lasting memory or your fondest memory of your time in pinstripes? You know, playing with so many great players. Yeah. And being able to play at home in front of my family and friends, I think was probably the biggest highlight. When we went to the World Series, you think you're going to get there many, many times. Mm. I only got there once. Yeah. We lost to the Dodgers in 81. Um, The one good thing about the COVID, I got to watch all the games on YouTube. Yeah. I never saw it before and actually watched all oh, that's six cool. And uh, actually hit two home runs in one game. The ball hit the guy in the first row my first time up against Fernando. Hit him right in the middle of the chest. Bounced <laughs> back on the field. They called it a double. Oh, and then I hit a home run off Fernando. So I would have had two in one game. But I remember us losing and uh, yeah. saying, okay, we got to get back there. And unfortunately, the only other World Series I did was when I was broadcasting for the Yankees. Yeah. A couple of rings um, as a broadcaster. And uh, just that memory, I wish we would have won. We disappointed a lot of people. There because the Yankee fans are so passionate. And you mentioned about blocking the plate. Yeah, I was a dirty player. I blocked the plate all the time without the ball. <laughs> I gave up my body. Yeah, now, heck yeah. thrown out of games left and right. But I think that was a big part of the game. Yeah. I always, what I take out of baseball, I was always with my teammates. I was a player rep for a long time, always fighting for benefits, better pensions, lowering. You know, when I first signed, it, it took you four years to qualify for a pension, hmm. up to 20 years. Well, we kept fighting that with all the strikes and, and really wanted to take care of our players and the former players. Now, these guys are spoiled. They go up to the big leagues, it's one day, and you qualify for a pension Yeah. up to a maximum of 10 years. So, you know, and, I, and I'm and i the one that brought into baseball the, I said, well, what do you do for the guys that play more than 10 years? Yeah. How do you reward them? They said, well, what do you, I said, well, what about another fund that we could fund ourselves or that you guys contribute to? Because the first year out of baseball is going to be hard for guys. Mm-hmm. They're making lots of money, and now at, at 35, they're out of the game, and what are they going to do for the rest of their life? Yeah. And yeah. we create a guard account that has grown to now $70,000 a year, which is something nice. Not that these guys need it, but the older players needed that. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. always, always loved my teammates. I had a lot of fun with them. Didn't always get along. I got into a couple <laughs> fights. But you know what? Those are the memories I'll never forget. Awesome. So there you have it, my interview with Rick Cerrone. The fact that he grew up a Yankees fan and collected basically every Mickey Mantle card as a kid is pretty spectacular. (laughs) So, uh, again, growing up as a Yankees fan and then to play for the Bronx Bombers, even rubbing elbows with greats like Joe DiMaggio is such a unique situation that it was fun to hear those stories. Then he talked about his autographed baseball collection. So a true collector, Mr. Cerrone is. So it was cool to talk to him about that. We like to do our buy it now segment. You can get game used bats, jerseys, things like that on eBay for a few hundred bucks at most. 
someone's asking 700 bucks for a 1980 game used Yankees road jersey, which is a pretty cool item. 300 bucks for a bat, things like that. So uh, definitely pick up some Cerrone stuff relatively cheap. As far as cardboard, his 1977 Topps rookie card in PSA 10 form. There's one on eBay with an asking price of 5500 bucks right now, but we have to tell you that that rookie card is one of those classic four-panel cards, and it's also Dale Murphy's rookie card, so it's a pretty big deal in the mid to late 70s. PSA 9s are right around 400 bucks, so definitely nab one of those. So that about wraps up our episode with Cerrone. Next up, episode 53, uh, a bucko I grew up watching, Mr. John Cangelosi on episode 53 of Off Center with Tony Reed. Check us out next time.